welcome everybody to episode three of Death's Door. We are a sorcery contested round podcast focusing on the competitive aspect of the game. First, uh, right at the top, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone for tuning in for our previous episodes and for checking this one out. Uh, it's been really great to see the response from the sorcery community. We've gotten a lot of support from the people in the main sorcery discord and you know some of the eric's curiosa employees and then also from people organizing events and stuff just super awesome to see everybody responding so positively to what we're doing i'm, I'm glad to hear all of you are just fiending for more competitive play just how we are uh john our first episode we titled we play sorcery contested realm to win and you should too we didn't ever really answer that question or that uh, the sort of implied question there so why do you play games to win why do you play sorcery to win and why do you think other people should do it too and then also fun fun bonus question for the end what's your proudest competitive play moment in any game oh my goodness there's so much here i've blindsided folks um no i I play Sorcery Contested a Realm to win because I like proving to myself that I solved the puzzle of deck building. It's really just, you know, for folks that play games at a higher level and whatnot, um, train card games or whatever, when you put time and effort into, like, building a deck or modding a character in a game or whatever to do something and you've practiced and you keep losing and blah, 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 and then you win and you win like a tournament or you win just like a matchup you could never beat or whatever it's 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 you know it's rewarding it's like yeah look i'm i'm doing the thing i built the deck it's winning and i feel proficient in the deck um so yeah it's just fun to like solve that puzzle really i don't i don't do it for the glory or the money but i do do it for the internal glory so i i'd like my proudest moment was like getting top eight at a star city games if anybody listening to this is like oh my god blast from the past a star city games event in for magic playing a modern deck that i love which was splinter twin but um tarmo twin specifically tarmo twin Twin. yes Um, that was like probably my proudest moment because i like wasn't i it was like a slog to get to the finals and the matchup that i won to get into the top eight was a bad matchup and i won it and it was just kind of one of those you know one of those things if you've ever been at a tournament for a game it felt like the stars aligned and it was meant that i made it to the finals and stuff and you know drew the card i needed to win against the bad matchup and yeah um what about you well in terms of playing to win i want to i want to make a distinction between playing to win and actually winning because a lot of times i'm i'm losing when i'm playing competitively you know you you know when your win rate can only be (laughs) so good but it's still you know a satisfying experience to play to win to try and optimize your deck building try and optimize your choices um and to kind of solve the puzzle of gameplay so like i really like i really like unexpected plays i really like tight gameplay i like when the curve works out perfectly in a deck but 
yeah, you know, I just kind of like that sort of feeling of gaining mastery continuously. Getting better, doing things, and doing them well is really fun for me. In terms of proudest uh, competitive gameplay moment, I uh, haven't like top aided any uh, any <laughs> Star City Games events recently, so that's not on my list. But uh, what I, I am fairly proud of uh, my showing when we went to the 30th anniversary Magic oh, event yeah. in Vegas. Yeah. a couple of years ago i didn't do great but i hadn't played modern in a long time and i switched my deck at the last minute like the week before we went to vegas i was like wait do i need to build <laughs> is it Merktide? which for those of you who don't play magic Merktide is like a blue red sort of like tempo aggro deck it's really about like incremental card advantage and you have to make really tight plays and then you kind of beat face with the big dragon once you once you get to that point but i felt very proud of myself for for playing that deck what felt like was very efficiently and very well considering i didn't have that many games under my belt and then also i'm gonna throw out a sorcery uh accomplishment i had recently i was doing a draft at a local game store here sorcery draft i think is really fun we haven't really talked about it on the pod much maybe we will eventually but i hadn't ever really felt like i just nailed it with the deck building aspect of sorcery draft this past weekend i built like a deck that came together really really beautifully in pack three i got past a wave shaper like pick four or five of pack three and it was exactly what my deck needed i had four pirate ships and i played wave shaper pirate ship aggro i beat face i went 4-0 and then there was some really hot stuff in the prize pool but like my deck felt flawless and that was such a good feeling to be like i know perfectly how to mulligan this hand i know that i'm going to be dealing this much damage by turn four well that speaks to i mean not in that situation with like the drafting which kudos to that because that is hard like drafting making a good draft deck is a hard thing to do um for for folks that play limited it's so hard um (laughs) i'm not good at it but kudos to you for that because you hadn't put, you know, it's a draft deck. You hadn't put any other games in with it. And same thing with Merktide. You hadn't played it a whole lot. And like you were saying, like getting those good plays comes with a lot of practice. And it is, it's always, you know, I, I want to also include that caveat that like when I'm playing to win, I'm not winning most of the time. Um, but getting those good plays, doing those unconventional plays comes from a history of just playing a lot. So like, you know, when to do X and you've learned mm-hmm. from that experience of like, oh yeah, I played this card against this deck before and I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I'm going to change it or I'm going to just like not play it at this moment. So yeah, that that's always really cool to see. And yeah, you're a limited deck. You sent me a picture of it. Maybe you'll, maybe, well, you know what? We will put a photo of that draft deck in the Substack, which is deathsdoorsorcerypod.substack.com. For today, we are kind of talking about you know like last episode we talked about specific decks and archetypes and how to build things to play to the best possible outcome with certain avatars and things like that today we're getting a little like in the design space and like how to think about these cards critically and how to um see what potential like what the future and also a little bit of the past of these cards looks like and what it could look like in the future honestly some of the inspiration for this i saw that one of the playtesters for the game 
Aki Andre made a post in the official Sorcery Contested Realm Facebook group, and uh, they started revealing like old playtest cards. And I was like kind of just infatuated. Like when that when I saw that, I sent it to Bronte, and I was like, "These are wild!" And like we talked about it, and I was just like, it was really interesting to see where the game was like, where the creators of the game were thinking. Like, what can we do with this? How can we build cards? What things can we do? And and it's really interesting, like to see what iterations of cards were left on the cutting room floor because that could inform what future cards might look like yeah and it also informs i think like how they're thinking about balance in this game what do they want the gameplay to be like what sort of power level are future cards potentially going to look like and like we can get an idea of maybe what they've ruled out or maybe what's still kind of kicking around what are we waiting to see yeah so honestly one of the things that I was like just taken by was the idea of one of the playtest cards um, being Sacred Scarabs that was revealed. So that card obviously like made it into the set. It's very similar, you know, two mana, it's airborne, it's ordinary. But this card had an ability that says on death, the scarabs explode and then it is a grid pattern that is a three by three. In the center is three damage, so that's where Scarabs is at. And then it spreads out in twos and ones around it. And I'm just like, that is insane. <laughs> like, that is, if that, that had been nuts. officially printed, that... <laughs> that is unreal. Like, can you imagine, oh, just. The amount of value. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, uh, this card is nuts. I counted it up earlier. That card deals 15 damage on death right uh, t- total on top of each of the sites. But it's it's each unit at the site gets that amount of damage, right? So if you if you uh, sent that thing into into a, like a kind of stalled grid, you can just absolutely for tear two the mana. board up. Like 15, 20, 25 damage yeah, for two it's, mana. It's wild. And it really, it made me think about like, if something like that existed in the future, what cards are, are going to get better because of it, which we're going to talk about. Like, I was really also interested in Avatar of Earth. There was an early edition of Avatar of Earth that was posted in this um, thread, which we will link. It was Avatar of Earth, tap to play a site or draw from your atlas, minus the whole getting a buff, but you start at 26 life, which as we know in this game, you start at 20, you can't go above 20. 26, that, you know, I'm not sure where I land on like, I think it's good. I definitely think it's good. Is it like game breaking? Mm, Not sure, maybe, but it does let us know that they are thinking about going over 20. Right, They are thinking about doing things that you would start at over 20 and maybe there's some other drawback or, you know, maybe one thing that I was thinking about, like this card to me signals like, what if there's an avatar that's like, you start at 15, but your minions are reduced by one or like some, you know, like mana cost is reduced by like mm-hmm. playing something like that. <laughs> so I play fast. that so I mean, hard. Yeah. With your uh, mono one drops deck. Um, <laughs> yeah. That'd be so good. Oh, it would be nuts. But yeah, I, I I saw that too. And it like really made me think about what the potential design space is for life totals on avatars and how much how much they value a certain amount of life versus a certain amount of abilities. And I was think I have been thinking about this in terms of minions, because you can sort of derive like a point system. Yeah, yeah. Almost that um, minions use. 
like uh, take Apprentice Wizard for an example, like it is air, it is three mana, it is one power, and it draws you a card on Genesis. Um, but then you can compare that to Cave Trolls, which is three mana, three power, and burrowing. So for the same amount of mana, you can get two power and burrowing, like two extra power and burrowing, or you can draw a card. And you can kind of think about the ways that these are weighted in the design process. And like, where does that go when life totals are what's at stake? Right. It's it's almost like in magic when you see on the inverse, like life become a resource in terms of like Phyrexian mana or things like Necropotence or things like that. Like you pay one life to draw a card, but like it's a little bit operating on the inverse, but it, it is, it does show you like they're, they're trying to, they were trying to, and maybe in the future, who knows, you know, it shows you that they're interested in this um, design, this design space, um, which could be very interesting. The, the last card that I want to talk about when it comes to these like playtest cards that I saw, you know, an iteration of Ancient Dragon. So the official printing of Ancient Dragon, the one that we all know and love, was seven mana, three fire threshold, six power. It's airborne, and then it has the tap ability to deal four damage to each other unit at a target location nearby. One thing that changed is this really interesting ability that you can kind of see where their brains were at. The playtest card for Ancient Dragon was seven mana, two fire threshold, interesting it's only five power so the power it got buffed it still has airborne the playtest version still has airborne but it has something called splash damage this is listed on like an ability which i would take that it would almost operate the same way as the sword (laughs) does splash damage can you imagine that on a creature like just for free uh i don't want to i would not like to imagine that on a minion that seems crazy um it's just really interesting to see like what they were thinking and you know maybe in the future we'll see a splash damage creature um who knows yeah and it may even be something that they end up keywording those playtest or like pre-playtest cards that we saw you know give some interesting insight into just where the developers heads are at where what the designers are thinking about and then i know also um there are some like sample cards that we've seen that never made it to an alpha printing some of those some of my favorites of those include the the counterspell suite that they were considering printing and i know a lot of people are happy that there's not currently a ton of instant speed interaction in the game i think the game doesn't necessarily need it but i don't think a game is made worse by by instant speed stuff i like it counterspells i'm gonna go on the record say they're fun they make for interesting <laughs> gameplay <laughs> but uh the the counter spells that they have shown us were really interesting because they were all rarity based so there was ordinary counter spell exceptional counter spell elite and unique counter spell each one could only counter a card of that same rarity it said counter target ordinary spell that is so so interesting on as i've said before that like i love the rarity system in this game and i think it's really interesting and just good design space and whatnot but i that's really cool um i mean that just like makes my gears turn i'm like does every deck play if you're playing counter spells do you play four ordinary i i I, you play four ordinary one unique like how many of the others like i don't know that's that's really cool to to hear that they were messing with that sort of design 
Yeah, and it, it gives me hope that it's not something that's totally off the table, but instead it's something that they're going to be really careful and really intentional about. I think a handful of interestingly designed counterspells could just elevate gameplay even further. But yeah, and I we did see from... I think an interview with Eric from Eric's Curiosa recently that they are, you know, brainstorming future instant speed interaction, but it's something that they want to be really careful with and something that they're not going to print in excess. So we got dodge roll in alpha and beta with Arthurian legends coming up later this year. You know, maybe we'll get one extra instant speed spell. Maybe not, right. <laughs> but maybe, or maybe we'll get two. And I think that's, um, that's interesting and it could lead to some, you know, down the line in like five years, uh, gameplay could be very different or there could be a lot of different types of gameplay based on how much instant speed interaction you're playing. Uh, right now, the rate has kind of just been like one per set. <laughs> so maybe that will continue. <laughs> maybe it'll double <laughs> two yeah. per set, you know. Our two data points aren't quite enough to predict that yet. Another area of design space that I think is kind of obvious to anyone who has played the game already and anyone who has played other trading card games um, is the potential for multi-element spells and this isn't something that they have spoiled in any way or there's not there haven't been any like sample multi-element spell cards that I'm aware of but I think it's fairly safe to assume that they're the they're, they'll be here eventually and that's while obvious it's still a really interesting design space the fact that you can have like water fire cards you know geyser already sort of feels like a water fire card um right (laughs) yeah like they there's a lot of flavor when you do like multicolor stuff and it kind of like lets the world grow in a bit like you see that with the actual the lands like this cycle of exceptional lands like lighthouse and ruins and step aqueduct Mm -hmm. you know that like they know this is a thing they know that that you know, and then it's like, how do you balance, how do you balance making it reasonable, like not too busted, maybe like not too many threshold requirements that it's kind of just like unplayable or something, or that ratio of threshold requirements is like equal to what the card actually does. Totally. Yeah, I I definitely think like, designing a multi element card totally changes the math on how you calculate mana, threshold and what the card actually does you have to take into consideration making it hard enough to cast that it's not just an auto include but making it good enough that literally anyone will play it ever like if it's right if it's too <laughs> ass it's just bulk no one will ever want to put that in their deck yeah, yeah. no it's yeah and, and you see that in other games that happens with magic where it's just like yeah this is a good effect but i can get that same thing for one color um Mm -hmm. or and cheaper and it's just kind of like okay like one of the things that makes me really excited when we talk in the future there may be multicolored spells and what that could mean for uh innovative deck building and things like that is the design space and the potential scary design space that comes with these iterations when it comes to avatars because avatars are obviously a huge part of the game Mm -hmm. but what like what happens when you print a multicolor, multi-element spell, minion, whatever, and it's too good, and then Elementalist exists? So, you know, right. it's like this situation where Elementalist just suddenly becomes like 
the best avatar because you printed multi-elemental spells and you know it was the you that ratio was off that was bad and i know that they're thinking about these things behind the scenes that that's an that's an avatar to me that like it only has the potential to sort of go up yeah right now we are at a stage where elementalist is still testing the water you know we got people doing like the mono one drops like bronte but and i've seen some other lists here and there but it's like it's not sure of itself right now and i you know maybe that will happen when they do multicolored uh, multi-elemental spells what other avatars are you sort of interested in when it comes to future design space maybe some of these playtest cards speak to something and you know give you an insight and where do you want that avatar to be in the future with potential new cards yeah i think avatar design space is just like so interesting and i mean I want to harp on Elementalist a little bit longer, even like we've talked about it, but I want to (laughs) re-emphasize Elementalist in the future has so much potential to the point where like if I were one of the game designers, I would have been scared to even print Elementalist in the first place if we had any inkling of an idea of a thought of a potential future where we would print multi-element spells. Um, So I think it's... The fact that they printed it, I think, should be a good sign that they're going to be careful about it. But yeah, we'll we'll see. It, it doesn't exist. Like, Elementalist doesn't exist in a vacuum. Like, they're not just going to finish Alpha Beta and then start from scratch on the next set or the set after that. It's like, they, this is how the design works, that they, they know that they're interested in multi-elemental three, four sets down the road. They maybe put a clue to that with Elementalist, but also when you do things like that, you, like you said, you run the risk of like, uh-oh, like this, uh, yeah. ooh, this card we printed in beta five sets down the road, we kind of didn't think about those two going together. That happens a lot in Magic and other games, especially like, Yu-Gi-Oh, I think, um, at least in the beginning, I was like, oh, like, <laughs> we totally forgot. We didn't think they'd be in the same environment together, and now they are, and it's like, uh-oh, that's Oops. bad. Yeah, and <laughs> I do, do want to say not what this, you want. this isn't necessarily a bad thing, and these unintended or, like, unforeseen interactions can be really interesting and can make for cool gameplay and cool deck building. It's just that that needs to be accompanied by a proactive approach to a ban list or to balancing elements. Um, and, you know, we have the rarity system in place for a part of that, but it won't be enough as the game ages. But yeah, I'm 100% going to have a couple of elementalist-like brews in my back pocket for when they <laughs> introduce multi-element cards. I'm like, okay, this is going to slot in here, and all of a sudden this deck right. is next level. And the other deck where it's immediately apparent that is going to be a popular move is Death Speaker. There's no way, right. there's no way that they're done printing Genesis effects, which means that Death Speaker only gets better with every set because every set gives it more options. So, you know, I won't be surprised in five years to see a Death Speaker deck of every single strategy and, you know, have like a viable Death Speaker combo, viable Death Speaker aggro, mid-range control. Yeah, we are coming to a critical mass with that where I think (laughs) it's... I would not be surprised if in the next three years of this game that Death Speaker is banned because of that. Totally. Um, you know, I, I don't think the format is solved. I don't think the 
metagame is solved, whatever. In the last episode, we talked about how we're seeing a lot of Deathspeaker now. That doesn't make me want to say that in a certain amount of time, this card's going to be banned. I don't like to be reactive like that. But I would not be surprised because of this very thing. We're already seeing that Deathspeaker is very good, that it just like slots into these strategies. It operates on a level that other avatars and decks aren't able to. And then, like you said, they're like they're not just going to not print Genesis cards. It's like part right. of, like there are so many Genesis creatures and it is, it's very evergreen to the game. You, you, you kind of restrict yourself when you make an avatar like Deathspeaker. Or absolutely, you're gonna go a little. <laughs> you're gonna go a little wild and be like, let's just print print some crazy Genesis cards, and then we'll see what happens. And we said it here first; it'll be banned. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't think uh, we actually said it first. Uh, I, and like, uh, we're not calling for a Death Speaker band in any way. Certainly not. We both really like this avatar. It's a fun deck, but it has to be on a watch list for cards that only get better. And I think that that's an important thing to keep in mind when you're approaching a competitive scene, especially if you're like wanting to make the best deck possible as soon as the next set comes out, you know, be prepared for cards that get better. I think too, like further evidence that they're not going to print um, or stop printing Genesis cards is that they're fun to play with. And the whole collection of Genesis cards, I think, is more valuable to the game than Deathspeaker as an individual card is. And so I would much rather see Deathspeaker banned than see Genesis shelved because it's too powerful with a popular avatar. Right, exactly. Like, that almost feels like game design or, like, healthy format, healthy gameplay 101, that it's like, if you can just take one thing out instead of taking 10 things out of the game, then take the one thing out. Um, Because that one thing is the problem these 10 aren't you know apprentice wizard is a beautifully designed well-crafted balanced card totally balanced death speaker no (laughs) so (laughs) like are there other cards that are on your like watch are there other avatars excuse me that are on your watch list yeah, there's there's one avatar on my watch list for like, oops, this might become too good. Um, but then I also want to shout out my best boy, my perennial favorite, um, Sorcerer. I think that Sorcerer can potentially <laughs> get better too as more efficient minions are printed. I don't, I don't think that that's anywhere approaching the ban ability or I don't think it's ever going to get too good. Especially because as the game grows, we're going to get more ways to draw cards, in which case Sorcerer's potency is lessened. So there's some there's some balance to that. But the avatar that really sticks out as having the potential to really just continually grow in power as sets come out is Avatar of Earth. And this is maybe not for the reason you're suspecting. Really? <laughs> yeah um yeah what, what is that reason what is that reason so it's not grapple shot it's not budge it's not like the speed of the game changing the reason that i think avatar of earth is only going to grow in power is because we're going to get more earth sites with interesting effects and earth already has some of the most powerful utility sites things like pillar of zeros and rift valley and holy ground bur the secret tunnels and yeah, no, Earth has got some really good utility sites going on. 
Yeah, and as Earth gets more utility, I think Avatar of Earth just becomes an increasingly obvious choice. If there's like some kind of earthquake type effect printed on a site, auto include in in uh, Avatar of Earth. Anything that is going to gain life, increase power, increase mobility, any interesting effects, just Avatar of Earth wants them. It's it's also interesting because like because that Avatar cares about Earth sites. If an Earth site ever has an ability printed on it that the game really cares about, like if they print a utility Earth site, you know, like Pillars. Pillars is a, obvious. It's a great answer to Death Speaker right now, but it's also Earth. So when you play Earth sites, your brain goes, oh, eh, maybe I should be playing Avatar of Earth in this build. So if the meta or whatever is at a certain point where we need utility lands to stop airborne creatures or whatever, and they're, they print something that's like a spider web land that all airborne creatures get grounded <laughs> but it's an earth site so then it's that same thing of like well that land is actually really good right now i care about that it's earth so i can play avatar of earth it, it's it's interesting like it speaks to how these these avatars have been designed like pretty well i think um, so you know, yeah. death speaker maybe yeah here and there but it does it it's like those little hints of like okay the future you're going to see more earth sites obviously but those earth sites might matter like the future you're going to see multi-elemental spells the future you're going to see obviously enchantments are going to play a big role so like do we if there's like a low cost enchantment that is game defining or just super efficient Mm -hmm. and then it's like oh well i play it early and i get super ahead but now i'm also going to play enchantress in this build so now it's like that enchantment is a viable minion to attack. Like there's all these sorts of things that they are most likely looking at in that same way that Avatar of Earth is only going to get better because we are just obviously going to see more Earth sites. Enchantress is just going to get better because we are obviously mm-hmm. going to see more enchantments and auras or whatever. That That's 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 exciting. Um, one, one Avatar I wish would get better in this is every water avatar every <laughs> single one printed already and every single every one single one to print in the future i want them to be better <laughs> let's talk about yes. water <laughs> let's talk about water here we are it only took three episodes and after the first episode being i love wave shaper i still love wave shaper i would love to live in a world where like wave shaper is playable but it kind of just isn't if you're playing water it's the best choice but you shouldn't be playing water primarily you probably shouldn't be playing mono blue and it it water's good right now for like splashing things we saw that in the season three ira awesome death speaker list with atlantean fate which was an amazing addition to that deck and we see i've seen atlantean fates and other builds and there's like good water here and there but as a strategy right now it is just like not where it needs to be to be competitive why is that bronte what happened what happened with water oh god this this question is so complicated and i'm so sad that i have to answer it because i would love to not have to worry about the power of water compared to the other three elements but where where has it gone where did it go wrong i think the core of the problem is that water doesn't do anything better than the other sites or the other elements do it so water doesn't have an advantage in being aggressive it doesn't have an advantage in being controlled 
patrolling, doesn't have an advantage in dealing damage, drawing cards, or uh, adding to mobility. And I think those are kind of like the, the core uh, aspects of the game that you want to be maximizing. I think, too, with, with water... I, I, I like to use the comparison of like two cards like Berry in Earth and Drown in Water. Berry, you can cast on any minion and majority of the time it is going to die because not a whole lot of minions have burrowing. They def- there definitely are minions out there with burrowing. Shout out Root Spider. Root Spider. <laughs> Root Spider. But when you look at Drown, it's the same mana cost. It can do a very similar thing. There are way less water sites. And it's way more situational, and it is harder to make a site a water site if it is not already a water site. You have to, like, play Flood. You have to Wave Shaper, which then you're not playing a site that turn or drawing a site that turn. It's just not, like, I love water. I've always, like, been drawn to blue in games. I don't know, like, in Magic, it's, like, Island and, Mm -hmm. like, Wizards and stuff, and I love that. In this game... I think it's awesome that there's like pirates and sirens and like I love that sort of like that's just like my personal fantasy sort of obsession or whatever ghost pirate ships and whatnot that's awesome but it's like oh man I just also wish that it was like viable to play wish that it did <laughs> there are definitely anything. some fun strategies yeah there are definitely definitely some fun strategies but again like we look at earthquake versus Atlantean fate they're very similar but Atlantean Fate is unique, and Earthquake is elite. Yep. So you just get more. Like, and maybe you can, we, you could go back and forth about maybe the ability from Earthquake is better because it sort of changes the grid, and maybe the ability on Atlantean Fate is better because it gets rid of problem non-ordinary sites or something like that. It's kind of back and forth but like like right now like flooding a site does not provide as much advantage equivalent to the additional sort of tax that comes with flooding a site mm-hmm. you see something like um the seven mana wrath of the sea very sim. again it's like it's similar to earthquake but it costs two more and yeah your upside is that's flooded now but like what does that do what does that actually mean you can put a right. giant shark there i love giant shark <laughs> got a list you've seen the list we put it in the sub stack but i don't know like it it just feels like it's just gonna sort of drag behind yeah, I think, I think you bring up a really good point. The fact that Drown is one-third as effective functionally as Barry is. Barry can target about 75% of the sites in the game, whereas Drown can target 25% of them as a default, and then more if you modify the sites. But that investment is big. So for those cards to do the same thing, have the same mana cost, but not be um, usable uh, in the same situations is a, is a big problem. And And also, I think another problem with water is that it doesn't play well with the element you would naturally pair it with uh, in terms of abilities, which is earth. They're kind of mutually exclusive. If you're playing water and earth together, you can't play the good cards from earth. You can't play the berries and the earthquakes. And then, you know, or the root spiders. Yeah, you can't play root spiders. Yeah, the fact that water is the only color that doesn't pair well with another element and then doesn't really have 
doesn't have reliable enough removal is just a, it's a big problem. And I think that water really needs to, or no, I'm not going to blame this on water. I think that the developers really need to find <laughs> a niche for the water element. I would like to see it be in some kind of card advantage or even in mobility. There's some of that with like Maelstrom and forced movement. And I think that's interesting. It just isn't currently doing anything. I, I think of Wave Shaper being sort of where I would like water to go that it is mobility that you get to expand your body of water it is sort of like tempo strategy that you get to tap down a creature you know you know i love tempo you know i love tempo yeah exactly it it it, right now like if i look at um i'm gonna i'm bringing up a list here it is from dark sam 007 it was in the season three league championship deck list number 46 it is a mono water avatar of water you know props to you for taking it to this and taking it as far as you did it is interested in getting to the point of playing like the kraken the great old one anglers and the one of the cards that i I think is better than people give it credit for is that anu undine Mm. um, the spirit that gets plus one power for each sight in her body of water i feel like you're you're not able to play the long game and like get to that point like other strategies are you know this list is actually pretty cool it's got some mixes that can get you to kraken and angler and great old ones sooner and it's mono water so that's great the mixes become better in that situation and this is like what you know this is probably what we'll see for like mono water these sorts of builds but i would love to see water become tempo and like mobility and like anti-mobility which is very flavorful flooding and body of waters and all that sort of dis disrupting you know flooding your opponent's stuff and then now your shark is in their territory great super flavorful but also getting it to a point where like that matters strategically and you know is competitively viable yeah i I think one of the big issues with the tempo strategy is that tempo generally falls under a controlling umbrella it doesn't always i talked about murktide at the top which is more like aggressive in in magic but you know generally with tempo you want to be building advantage to eventually just sort of overrun your opponent but wave shaper's ability runs sort of antithetical to a controlling strategy because you have to tap wave shaper to get the tempo effect which means that you're not playing a site that turn the deck wants to be playing a site and tapping something down and it can't do that right now and honestly i think you know looking at that avatar of water list and then looking at avatar of water compared to wave shaper it's apparent to me that the dev team hasn't necessarily settled on the right way to balance water because wave shaper seems to be what they wanted avatar of water to be and didn't accomplish so you know it seems like there's some some design issue there right we we saw avatar of water in alpha and then wave shaper came in beta is that correct yes that's that timeline yeah (laughs) um you you're way better at the sort of like details like that than i am right now wave shaper is very very similar but if you look at geomancer and avatar of earth very very different so they know like earth cares about power and then earth also cares about land disruption rubble even like ramp strategies They know that. That's set in stone. 
right now with water, it's kind of oscillating because we got Wave Shaper and it's like, okay, well, that's nothing new. You didn't introduce like completely different strategy mm-hmm. to Avatar of Water. I don't know. It is it is interesting. I am really excited to see where this game continues to grow and like, you know, a year from now, hopefully like we'll be like, oh man, like in the new set, water is just like crushing it, you know? Yeah. Which, I don't know. Arthurian Courts, that's the new set. Right. Arthurian Legends. I can see, I mean, people have mentioned the presence of Lady of the Lake in Arthurian Legend. Okay. And some stuff like that. You know, I could see some interesting like bog, fen, swamp sort of designs. I would love a bog. I would love that. I, I would, would love a I fen. I would go nuts for it. I would love a swamp. That would be so great. I would need multi-elemental spell that is earth and water and it is a minion that is like a bog witch That's yes please want. yes wicked witch but multi-element water earth i'm so down yeah um but like as, <laughs> that brings up like what is another problem to me which is that i see a lot of interesting ideas for how water could be cool in multi-element spells but it always feels like a support role when i'm imagining that and i would like to see some viability for water as a main element what do you think i don't know what do you think that water really needs to set itself apart well i think i would love love more efficiently costed ways to either flood a site like if drown flooded the site and submerged the creature is sort of like Mm. what i would love to see and one thing like to your point about water always playing a support role is that like when you look at mono water lists like this i'm looking at the the same one from dark sam 007 these the threshold is huge the majority yeah. that I'm looking at are like two to three, which is not conducive for a support role. When you have a threshold that is like one, but the card isn't that good, or like if all your good spells are two, then people aren't going to play it as much as a support role. I mean, I know they play it as a support role now, but like it's just more difficult. It's a barrier. It's just so difficult. It is a barrier. And like, I love this list. I love Plague of Frogs. I love like Wrath of the Sea and Polymorph. These are all great cards, but I just, I would love to see water become tempo, become efficiently costed minions that are submerged and like evasive, almost like merfolk sort of (laughs) in in magic or maybe it was, it was interesting to me. and, And this is, you know, what sets sorcery apart that things like wizards and that sort of dynamic is in air and not in like water which i guess my brain just associates like blue with wizards <laughs> coming from Fair. a magic background but maybe we'll see a water air minion that when you cast a spell you can like flood a site i i feel like that's complete that would be like oh this this makes drown boom makes drown awesome yeah actually playable that's that's what I want to see. I you know I love the big like Kraken and great old one Cthulhu sort of vibe, but I don't know. I I like <laughs> I like the lower end of water. I like the frogs and the uh, lords and the merfolk and pirates and things like that. That's what I'm really interested in. Yeah, no, I I like those too, and I think like polar bears is an interesting card, and exploring the poles is interesting design space for water. And honestly, you know we've we've been dinking around trying to brew up some effective water lists recently. And the more we do that, the more I've been wondering if the route to go with water is an aggressive one over a controlling one. You know, I've seen some lists doing like polar bears and maddening bells and devil's egg and like that's 
interesting, but it just doesn't seem to be consistent enough. But what about, you know, like a water air deck that is, you know, ramping into like a pirate ship? That's a lot of power. If you can get that out early, that's good. If you can flood sites meaningfully, which I think is the hardest part of like cards like pirate ship. But then also something that comes up with water is that all of your removal is submerge and then your best minions don't have submerge. So I don't know. There's some tension there. There's there's such tension. I think one list was from CJR80 underscore KY on Curiosa. They got um, 16th place in the League 3. This is the list that was playing Polar Bears, Maddening Bells, Pirate Ship, Pudge Butcher, Ruler of Thull, which is an awesome, like you were saying, like that... Um, exploring the poles is a really interesting dynamic this is like what i would like to see out of water that like these are efficiently costed threats i love like ruler ruler of thol is like oh surprisingly good good you know we got riptide grapple shot wind blast i think wind blast is interesting i i I like this this is like what i want to see out of water right now we've got some double some double threshold spells in this list and i i think that that's okay as it stands but maybe if there was a way to make water like in the future with cards that we do not have if there was a way to make water sort of play nicer with other elements that would that would be best but man do i love a polar bears plus maddening bells and devil's egg like i love that sort of like that's perfect one of the best plays in the game for sure (laughs) serious it's it's wild i don't i love polar bears that's a great card yeah me too i i'm trying to think of mechanics in the game that maybe water could slot into more and one that that comes to mind is charge like i wonder if maybe water spells or water minions having more instances of charge would uh kind of up the power level Right now, charge is fairly evenly spread out amongst the different elements. But, you know, I can see an argument being made for how polar bears could have charge. And ruler of the charge. Charging at you. Yeah. Ruler. That. Yeah, exactly. It's like, would something like that be enough? And I think it works thematically, too. It works thematically in the sense of, like, a pirate ship charging you and coming to plunder. But also, like, a ghost ship that has charge oh, yeah. that just, like, appears out of nowhere. And, like, I love that. Like, there are ways to sort of, I don't know, like, lean into that with, with water is what I would say. And hopefully, I don't know, maybe Arthurian Legends or whatever the next set is will be just full of, like, polar bears with charge and frozen that, that would be excellent frozen camelot whatever <laughs> Ooh, now you have me thinking that, oh frozen oh oh yeah yeah that'd be great episode 3.5 our frozen camelot spinoff series we both seem to agree that water is uh underpowered or just not really pulling its weight right now do you expect to see any water showing up at all in the sorcery league for season four that is that's a great question um you know i i don't know i i think that something and i'm i'm not going to take credit for this deck um i've seen it i don't have a list in front of me or anything but i the combination of like giant shark and like pudge butcher really interests me Mm. um 
like pulling pulling your opponent's avatar through a bunch of water and then shark is hitting them and then they get hit by pudge it's just a lot of damage out of nowhere you know you got to sort of manipulate the grid to get that to happen but that's that's a strategy that i think i would like to see and maybe that's like aggressive enough to sort of get under death speaker but you know i mean i don't know the curve is kind of it's like four to five but it could be a little just not great but i you know that that's where i'll put my money for for season four like if someone is out there with a pudge butcher plus shark list i have one i'm probably gonna play a couple games with it that's that's where i'd like to see water show up in season four but what do you do you think we're gonna see like what like mother of nature plus great old kraken just take it down i would love to see mother of nature showing up in the finals of season four i mean i have i have been working on we talked about seer and mother of nature in our last episode uh, but i have been continually trying to refine a seer list that makes good use of water but also can do some kind of like realm control i would love to see a deck like that uh start taking things down but you know i don't know if i expect it to perform well but what i hope to see is um water in battle mage decks we haven't talked about battle mage like at all yet don't hate us if you're a battle mage fan this is the first reference to battle mage i'm so sorry to all the battle mage fans out there but i think the card is bad (laughs) oh no he said it (laughs) i said it i'm sorry but i think that water is maybe one of the more interesting ways to build it water has a hard time closing out games and so i think that running it's like good control spells it's like polymorphs and it's drowns and stuff can be decent and then it can also give you the opportunity to clear the way for your battle mage i've seen some lists floating around out there i don't have any pulled up in front of me right now but i wouldn't be surprised to run into some of that and i'm curious to see people explore that design space more i won't be exploring it i think battle mage is bad but you do you. <laughs> if you do it well, I will be proud and we will talk about it. Yes, for sure. I would love to, if you, yeah, I, I would love to see that. Yeah, shout out if you do well with Battle Mage, you are definitely one of the better sorcery players around because that is a <laughs> achievement. <laughs> um, John, you're going to get us canceled. Like to, I, I don't want to be, but man, Battle Mage is not great. Um, <laughs> like, I'll say it again for those in the front and the back. I think that one of the things that you brought up that was interesting about water is it, it is limited in this that Mother Nature is unique and high costed but i was toying with a build once that was trying to just go like over the top with mother nature like this is a strategy that like you would want to almost like mulligan always to mother nature um mother nature seer and lord of the void and Mm -hmm. you just sort of try and get a lord of the void out as early as possible and then it's obviously playing the other ones I'm not even, I don't even think I'm going to share the list because it was not good, like playing it. (laughs) It did not feel good, but like it's, there's something there. And obviously like mother nature plus any absurdly costed, really, really good creature is good. But I, I think that that could be something that we we see um or who knows in the future maybe that's something not for this league but new cards coming out future design space that mother nature just explodes and goes over the top of some of these strategies almost in a very like combo way the thing that i wanted to say about battle mage is that like this battle this idea of like battle mage plus water is really interesting because it's almost a reminder to everyone out there that you don't always have to like if you're playing 
water, you don't have to play Wave Shaper and Avatar of Water. If you're playing Mother of Nature, you don't have to play those. You can play Seer. I feel like sometimes I see lists and I'm like, this would just be better with another Avatar. You could tweak things here and there, but it's like, don't limit yourself when you're building to be like, oh, it's a fire deck. I have to play Avatar of Fire or uh, Flame Caller or whatever. You don't have to. <laughs> like, you can play whatever Avatar. That's an know? excellent point, because sometimes the draw to play the elemental Avatar is is overwhelming, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best strategy for what you're building. And I think that being able to play around with, uh, with Avatars that way is going to unlock some interesting strategies definitely and if it's unlocking interesting strategies it's gonna be here it's gonna be on death's door we are super excited and thankful for everyone listening that's gonna be the end of episode three thank you so much for hopping in be sure to subscribe to the Substack, which is death's door sorcery pod.substack.com that is going to be your number one stop to getting updated when a new episode comes out uh any other things that are going on that we send out via email and it is free to subscribe and we would greatly appreciate the support if you want to support us in other ways you can also rate us on whatever platform you are listening to be it spotify apple music whatever it is leave us just a quick little rate and review very helpful we will see you all around we are in the discord i'm sorry about what was said about battle mage but I'm not. Listen, if you're mad about Battle Mage, you can add John, but don't at me. Peace. Thank you once again for listening to Death's Door. John and I are so thrilled by all the support we've seen. Please don't forget to subscribe to our free Substack to get all of our episodes and some occasional essays, thoughts, and even memes in your inbox. We'll be sending one of those out soon, but not too much. We won't do it too often, I promise. That's deathsdoorsorcerypod.substack.com. While you're in the business of not forgetting things, also don't forget to sign up for Season 4 of the Sorcery League. Signups will likely be live by the time you hear this, and if they're not, then you certainly won't have to wait long. And if you don't know what the Sorcery League is, is shoot me a message and I'll send you a link to the Sorcery League Discord. A final thing not to forget, there is so much happening in the world of competitive sorcery right now. SorceryCon in Seattle is just a couple weeks away, and then one month after that is the March of the Mortals in Denton, Texas, hosted by Reaper Games and organized by the team at On The Play. I'll be there jamming games and taking my opponents to death's door, so come on out and challenge me. (laughs) 